The Way BK podcast is dedicated to pursuing and promoting a true understanding of Jesus Christ and the transformation He provides for all who submit to Him to live in a way that is pleasing to God as revealed in the Bible. Let's join our hosts as they discuss The Way. Hey guys, welcome back to The Way BK podcast. This is Caleb. And today I'm going to be talking to you about Acts chapters 18 and 19. Have you ever been in a situation where you were working and you were ministering for the Lord, but you didn't know if you were doing any good? And the work you were doing was full of distress and persecution to the point that you were thinking about giving up or maybe moving on to something else. That's the situation we, Paul found himself in at Corinth. And in this lesson, we're going to look at Paul's work and the work of the Holy Spirit while Paul was at Corinth and at Ephesus as we survey Acts chapters 18 and 19. Now, Corinth was a city that had been destroyed about 200 years before Paul landed there. And it was refounded as a Roman colony in 44 BC. In some ways, Corinth was a Rome away from Rome. The city sat on an isthmus in Greece that uh, and it had two seaports and a system by which ships could actually be hauled across the land. This was before any canal was built there um, and, and hauled across from one seaport to the other. With the two seaports, Corinth was notorious for corrupt living and virtually every kind of immorality. So after Paul left Athens, he came to Corinth, and when he arrived, there was a large Jewish population, enough to have a synagogue, and so Paul began uh, debating with the Jews on the Sabbath until he was eventually rejected by them. Um, And just as happened in many cities beforehand, uh, when he was rejected by the Jews, he turned to the Gentiles, or the other nations as we call them. But for at least three reasons, Paul decided to spend a whole lot more time in Corinth than he had in the previous cities. Um, Number one, Paul, though he had been rejected by the Jews, he wasn't thrown out of the city or stoned out of the city or driven out of the city in Corinth. So maybe uh, safety was one reason he was able to stay there longer. But another reason why Paul decided to stay longer in Corinth is because he met a couple of co-workers. Uh, whom he could work alongside to support his ministry. Now, it was common for uh, teachers of that day to work with their hands to support their families as they taught and ministered to their followers. And Paul was not afraid of manual labor himself. Uh, This couple that he met there, Priscilla and Aquila, were tent makers. Uh, They worked in the same field that Paul did. So they likely already had the tools and materials Paul would have needed to join the work. Uh, And Aquila and Priscilla would become good friends of Paul and co-workers of Paul's in the gospel. In fact, he refers to them in his letter back to Corinth uh, in chapter 16 and verse 19, uh, also of of his letter to the Romans. Um, He refers to Priscilla and Aquila. They'd come to Corinth because along with all the Jews, they were expelled from Rome. By the way, this note that Luke gives fits with other pagan historians' accounts. In fact, the Roman historian Suetonius explains that Claudius, the emperor of Rome, expelled the Jews because they were rioting over Christus. Now, while the spelling is not the same as the word for Christus, uh, that is Christ, it is possible that Suetonius was actually referring to riots among the Jews concerning the Messiah. 
And eventually this edict banning the Jews from Rome would be rescinded. And, and that's why uh, when Priscilla and Aquila eventually return to Rome, and Paul will eventually write the letter to the Romans, you can imagine there would have been problems in the churches in Rome. A church that had for many years been made up primarily of Gentiles now adds a large number of Jews who have returned back to uh, the city. You can imagine there'd be some tension in these churches made up now of Jews and Gentiles after so many years of racial and more ethnic and cultural harmony in the church. To have that kind of uh, influx of Jewish migrants would have certainly presented its challenges. And for that reason, Paul ends up writing the letter to the Romans. But there's actually another reason why Paul decided to stay in Corinth. Um, and that's, that is the fact that he received a vision from the Lord. Now, it seems that Paul was actually uh, presumably discouraged in Corinth. And because of that, a vision from the Lord uh, was sent to strengthen him. The Lord told him to stay in Corinth. He said, I've got many people in this city. And we trust that the Lord has many people in every city. The problem has never been that the harvest is unplentiful. The problem has always been that the workers are too few. Now, visions are not a normal occurrence in the New Testament. Uh, and one of the lessons we learn from the book of Acts, though, is that God always seems to provide the guidance that you need when you need it. In Corinth, Paul received both greater rejection and great acceptance of the gospel he was proclaiming. Many rejected to the point that Paul declared, I'm innocent of your blood, but others accepted, including the synagogue ruler, even Crispus. We'll find out from his letter that Paul actually baptized Crispus in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And when Paul leaves the synagogue, he simply begins to teach right across from the synagogue itself at the house of Titius Justice. The gospel is not something to be hidden. It's right there in plain view. Now, while in Corinth, Paul is joined by Silas and Timothy, who he had left behind. Timothy came from Thessalonica, and with him, he brought good news about how the Thessalonians, this new church, was doing. Um, and with the good news that Timothy brought, Paul decided to write the, his first letter to the Thessalonians alongside Silas and Timothy, where he tells them about the distress and the persecution that he has been facing and how great an encouragement they have been to him while he's facing it. The Lord has a way when times are hard of always giving us grace for every trial. And often that grace comes through the encouragement we receive from our brethren. Paul wrote in that letter, For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we have in the presence of our God because of you. And when thinking about the character of the saints in Corinth, you can see why it might have been hard for Paul to stay there and why he might have been considering or perhaps even desiring to leave. The Corinthians actually looked very much like the corrupt culture that they came out of. Their lives were filled with all sorts of sin and immorality. There were some sorts of immorality in the church there that you wouldn't even find outside on the street. And this was not uh, the only problem Paul was facing. There's also the rejection uh, from outside. At some point during the 18 months that Paul was there preaching the gospel, there's an uproar that breaks out in the city over the gospel that he's preaching. 
And the uproar is eventually shut down by the proconsul Gallio, who, interestingly enough, was the brother of, of the famous philosopher Seneca. But Gallio tells the Jews basically to take care of their own business and not to bother him with disputes over their own law. And this is significant because one of the questions hanging over the people of the ancient world was, does being a Christian inherently mean you are acting illegally according to Roman law? And Gallio's ruling said no. Now imagine the relief if you're Paul and his companions and his friends and his brethren there in Corinth. All these brethren who've been distressed and suffering unrelenting persecution. Imagine the relief to know that God is sovereign and therefore he even uses pagan rulers to advance his purposes. Per usual, what the evil one was working to try to crush the kingdom of God, God used for the spreading of the kingdom and the glory of his name. Now, after 18 months in Corinth, Paul left for Syria with Priscilla and Aquila. And before he sailed, he got his hair cut because of a vow um, that he'd made. And he stopped by Ephesus where he left Priscilla and Aquila, but not before visiting the synagogue and promising the Ephesians to return if it was God's will. Not even Paul presumed that his plans would always come to fruition, even if he was an apostle of Christ. God's plans are alone are certain. Ours always depend on his sovereign will. So Paul left Ephesus and sailed to Caesarea where he hopped off the boat, headed down to Jerusalem or up to Jerusalem in elevation to greet the church before returning to Antioch. And after spending some time with the saints in Antioch, Paul went back to the churches he had planted in Galatia and Phrygia, the area that we would consider today modern Turkey. In every place Paul went, he was encouraging the disciples there to remain faithful to the Lord. Now, meanwhile, while Paul's traveling, Priscilla and Aquila, who are still at Ephesus, encounter a North African Jew named Apollos. They meet him in the synagogue where he is a mighty preacher and a very enthusiastic teacher. His teaching was accurate, but it was also incomplete since he only knew about the baptism of John. So when Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside privately and explained the way of God to him more sufficiently, more accurately. This is one of many places throughout Luke's writings where Luke specifically highlights the role of women who were diligently serving in the progress of the gospel. And what a blessing it is to have brothers and sisters who love us enough to take us aside and help us to grow in our understanding of God's will and to become even more effective in the work of the Lord that we're doing. What a demonstration of grace and humility here by Priscilla and Aquila to take him aside and do so privately. They were not seeking the glory of men, but the glory of God. And think about the lasting impact their behind-the-scenes work would have had on the kingdom of God as they equipped this servant, Apollos, to go out and mightily do God's work. And that's exactly what happened. Apollos, strengthened by his brother and sister, desired to go to Corinth, to Achaia, to preach the word. So the Christians in Ephesus encouraged him. They even wrote letters to the churches, uh, to the church in Corinth, so that they would welcome him when he arrived. And the Lord used him mightily to make a great impact on the saints there in Corinth and even on the unbelieving Jews as he proved to them from the scriptures that Jesus really was the Messiah. Now, interestingly, while God used Apollos to work for good, the devil was also working. 
And by the time Paul returns to Ephesus, after Apollos has spent some time in Corinth, some of the Corinthians had begun dividing uh, into parties. Some of them were preferring Apollos over Paul as their teacher. And while Paul greatly appreciated Apollos' good work and sought no approval from man, from man for himself, he still needed to address a growing divisive party spirit in the church at Corinth, where Christians rooted in pride were dividing over, what, uh, over which teachers they preferred and which teachers they followed. For this reason, among many others, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians while at Ephesus. And he did so to encourage the saints to put off their carnal puffed up, prideful selves, and to put on righteousness, holiness, and the more excellent way of love. While the Corinthians were convinced that they needed more spiritual gifts, Paul was convinced that what they truly needed was the spirit of love. Meanwhile, back in Ephesus, Paul came across 12 more disciples who had only heard of and been baptized into the baptism of John. In fact, they hadn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So after Paul taught them about Jesus, they were baptized again, this time into Jesus Christ. Note that this story teaches us that there are occasions where someone may need to be baptized again in order to be baptized into Christ Jesus. After they were baptized, Paul laid hands on them. They received the Holy Spirit, some of the gifts that came from the Holy Spirit as they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And Paul went into the synagogue and spent about three months reasoning with the Jews about the kingdom of God there. Not surprisingly, some of the Jews became stubborn and they publicly maligned the way. The way, of course, is not only the name of this podcast, it's also the earliest name used referring to the disciples of Christ. So Paul left them and took the disciples with him to a nearby school where he spent two years teaching them daily. To the point that by the end of those two years, all the Jews and Greeks across Asia had heard the word of the gospel. God's truth was still spreading further and further. While Paul was in Ephesus, God did amazing miracles through him. The works of God were so extraordinary that even handkerchiefs and aprons touched by Paul could be taken to sick people and they would be healed or cured or, or evil spirits driven out of them just by touching them. Some of the Jews actually tried to mimic the works that Paul was doing in the name of Jesus, including seven sons of Siva, a Jewish high chief priest. Now, to their surprise, the evil spirit was not driven out by them. Instead, it answered them and said, I know Jesus and I know Paul, but who are you? To make matters worse, the evil spirit jumped on them, beat them up and left them naked and bloody, running away. Of course, many people became afraid after hearing of things like this and Many people learned to fear the Lord. Many of the magicians and sorcerers ended up burning their magic books, which were thousands of dollars. And in spite of all the opposition, the word of the Lord kept growing in power and the kingdom of God kept spreading. Now, around that time, Paul made plans to go to Jerusalem. He was going to pass through Macedonia and Achaia first to accomplish some important work. He had some important work to do on the way. And in order to uh, prepare the churches for it, he sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, ahead of him to Macedonia to prepare the saints for the work that he was coming to do. But before Paul could leave Ephesus, a huge disturbance occurred over the way. And it all started when the idol makers realized that their business was hurting. Christianity was spreading so rapidly 
that it was tanking the idol economy. So they stirred up the union by accusing Paul of saying that gods made by human hands are not gods at all. What a horrible thing for Paul to say. Of course, they were mostly worried about their trade. As you can imagine, these idol makers were probably getting some bad reviews from former idolaters who had become disciples of Christ. And of course, the greatest threat uh, they saw was to their precious goddess, Artemis that she might be robbed of her divine majesty. So they began shouting about Artemis' greatness until the whole city was turned into an uproar. A pity, of course, that Artemis didn't come down to help them. But Paul wanted to go into the great assembly, or to the church. Remember that the word church just means assembly. But the disciples, and even some of Paul's friends who were government officials, begged him not to go into the theater where all the madness was going down. And finally, the city clerk calmed the crowd and told them to settle their grievances in court. Again, Luke is showing us that in truth, it was not the Christians who were causing all the uproar, but the people who were opposed to and offended by the gospel that they were preaching. And after this, Paul gathered the disciples, encouraged them, and he got out of town heading off to Macedonia. If you're excited to know what happens next, keep reading. And we'll discuss it together next week. Until then, consider the lives of Paul and Silas, Priscilla and Aquila, Timothy and Erastus. Consider the lives of sacrifice these servants offered up to God. And let me leave you with this question. How do our lives compare with theirs? How are we doing at offering our lives as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to the Lord? The aim of The Way BK is to share the gospel of Jesus Christ across Brooklyn and beyond. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.thewaybk.com.